Welcome to Better Than MJ and Kobe period cast or actually no question mark. I'm fucking it up yeah. from the beginning. It's an exclamation question mark. Exclamation question mark. <laughs> uh, I'm your host Cthulhu's Prodigy and alongside me is... It's Stitch. What's up people? We are uh, going to be discussing basketball in fucking depth. <laughs> yes. Um, X's and O's, history, legacy, all this kind of stuff. I'm going to actually let us do our intros. Why don't you start us off? Tell us a little bit about your hoop knowledge and experience. Oh, Oh, well, it's Stitch here. Uh, Obviously, grew up playing basketball as a kid. Uh, Shout out the league, NJB, uh, for all of you Bay Area people that that knows what's up. National Junior Basketball. Exactly. Uh, I was all right. I was was more of a defensive uh, person. Uh, I was real small, so... uh, wasn't really uh, posting up people. I just facilitated my big men and uh, would would lock down the the best defender on defense. Um, grew up a Laker fan. Um, I one of my favorite players growing up before my current favorite player was uh, Dominique Wilkins. To go through the mythology, Dominique Wilkins, I, I absolutely loved. Um, then after he sort of went away, I loved Larry Johnson, Grandma Ma from the Charlotte Hornets. Some of the young kids may not know who you're talking yeah, about, though. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, so you have to go YouTube, uh, but human highlight film was Dominique Wilkins, number 21, Atlanta Hawks. Uh, he just, he, he got robbed by Jordan in that, uh, dunk contest, and this might also, uh, set the, the rivalry slash inner hate that I have for Mr. Meme Face. Uh, but crying uh, meme crying meme meme face so uh then larry johnson was grandma ma he was uh a monster at unlv uh 1990 unlv they uh i think it was 90 they won the title in 90 then in 91 they went undefeated but then lost to duke in a national title game and uh they were a great team to watch they were sort of the fab five before uh michigan in terms of how they were just really rebellious and wearing baggy jeans, black sneakers and everything. And they just sort of ran and just were throwing it off the backboard, dunking and everything. They ended up losing to uh, to Duke University in uh, 91. It was their only loss of the year, if I remember correctly. And I just sort of loved uh, loved how he played. So I, I liked him. I, I followed a lot of the Charlotte Hornets back in the day with uh, Larry Johnson, Alonzo Mourning, Muncie Bogues, Del Curry, <laughs> um, Kendall Gill, um, and uh, I think I said Muzzy Bugs. I couldn't remember. Yeah, you okay, yeah. Um, but they were they were a really fun team to watch. Uh, unfortunately, they could never really get it together. Um, they would sort of win the first round and then get eliminated second round of the playoffs and everything. Um, normally to like the Bulls or or, who, or the, whoever was uh, standing away the Knicks. Um, and then Kobe. Kobe's Kobe's my uh, my sort of demigod uh, guy that I, I I'm a big fan of, and uh, I will represent and defend him. Uh, tirelessly. I think that's where, where we got the uh, title of the cast, um, which I fucked up in the beginning, but, <laughs> but this is our pilot. Yeah, this is our, our beta pilot. So, um, obviously, Stitch is a big fan of Kobe. Uh, I'm a big fan of MJ. And real quickly, to go back, um, I always thought that Jerry Tarkanian... Yeah, Tarkanian. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I probably fucked that up from a pronunciation standpoint. I always thought he was a fucking gangster. I really did. Well, I thought he had mob connections. He got in trouble. That's pretty much why he got ran out of UNLV. There was um, this infamous picture with him. And I don't know if it was people from that UNLV team or maybe like a year or two later, but he was in like a hot tub 
with like a famous like fixer from Vegas and everything. And there they, you go. the NCAA already kind of had it out for Tartanian, and uh, that just seemed to be like the final straw where they're like, you can't be in hot tubs with people that are known to be fixing games. Like that's a bad look, and they ran him out of. And you're you know, already like, in Las Vegas, one of the few places in this country where it is legal to gamble on sporting events. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Not a good look. He was he was a great coach. He was fun. Uh, I always remember he would have the towel, and he was constantly biting into the towel and, and everything when he was uh, really stressed. And uh, they actually had a good HBO documentary uh, on the 1990 UNLV Running Rebels. Uh, I forget the actual name of it, but uh, uh, Greg it was Greg Anthony, uh, Stacy Ogman, Larry Johnson, um, and I think there was another guy. I know I'm going to be mad at myself for, for missing another guy, but. Uh, yeah, Anthony Hunt was the other guy. There you go. Um, but uh, they sort of go back and that whole how that whole team formed and their backgrounds and, and everything and uh, how they pretty much put UNLV on the map and they were the hottest thing for for a good while. Like you, you could see people wearing UNLV shirts and parkas and rap videos and stuff, and it was mainly because of that team. Yeah, I think um, that is definitely true. I remember that era, and uh, once the Fab Five from Michigan came on board, they took it to a whole nother level. Mm-hmm. But. Um, yeah, for me, I am someone who has loved basketball. It was my first sport that I loved since, I don't know, 88, something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's mostly been pros, even though I've watched, uh, obviously, some college uh, hoops, especially with uh, Michigan and the, the Fab Five was probably my favorite era for college hoops. Um, but uh, definitely a not a Bulls fan, but a fan of Jordan when he was playing uh, for that team in the 90s for certain. I thought mm-hmm. his influence was just ridiculous, you know, on the sport and all all sports, basically. Um, and then uh, I, I'm definitely a Warriors fan based on the fact that, you know, it's a local team. They've, they've had a terrible history. I'm not going to shy away from that one. Bit. Yeah. But um, I think that, you know, one of the reasons why we wanted to have this cast is actually to clear the air on some stuff with sports uh, or with basketball rather that is confusing. Oh yeah. And um, you know, there's a lot of people who don't know what they're talking about when it comes to hoops. And uh, I think we just need to kind of let it be known that there's some things with hoops that you need to take into yeah. account. And especially given the fact that this was a historic year for the NBA. Yeah. Um, you have to, Take a seat and really dive into some of the details that make some of the statements said throughout the year stupid, sound stupid. Yeah. Now, before we even go into depth on that, I want to just make sure I, I uh, put my allegiance down firmly. <laughs> I am a Laker fan. However, I enjoy watching the Warriors play. Um, not to throw shade at the at the Warriors or anything, but as being a Laker fan, the Warriors weren't really ever any – they weren't relevant as, as a Laker fan growing up, normally we had our issues with the Pistons, with the Celtics, with the Bulls. Seattle. Yeah, see, yeah. And in, 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 uh, Sacramento and everything uh, later on. But um, the Warriors were, they reside in the same state. They The Lakers, obviously, were sort of big brother. And the Warriors were kind of, at the time, they were a step above the Clippers, obviously, because the Clippers were ridiculous uh, back in the day. But... Um, they weren't really a threat. They weren't, yeah. They weren't a factor. They weren't a threat. But I enjoyed, and I, I grew up growing up in the Bay Area. You see a lot of people that are Warrior fans, and 
I'm, I was so I was extremely happy for them. Like the Lakers are down, I I can admit that the Lakers are going through a lot of crazy stuff right now. But it's good to see friends and family excited about a team that had been bad for so long. They would get like a little a year or two of of, of great basketball seasons, and then all of a sudden they would just go back. It would just they would backslide. Yeah, so it was always great, and I enjoy rooting for the Warriors. I get a lot of slack uh, from people saying, "Oh, you're a Lakers fan, you jump on the Warriors bandwagon." It's, no, they're they're an extremely fun team to watch play, and I it's hard for me to even compare it to uh, something even in a different sport because it's it's something it's a basketball style that we're not used to seeing. We've never seen this ever yeah. in the history of the league. Um, but you're absolutely right. I think think people tend to view basketball through the same lens as football uh, or even college football. Okay, um, yeah. And it's not really appropriate. You know, there's obviously more games. There's 82 games in the NBA season. Right. Um, it's entertaining to watch great basketball, period. Yeah. You know, I mean... I've watched plenty of Laker games over the years. You know, there's there's no doubt about it. I'm mm-hmm. definitely not a fan of that franchise or, you know, or most of the players besides the uh, Magic Johnson Showtime era. Um, but, yeah, you know, there's a lot of bandwagon uh, uh, Golden State fans. Of course. Every, you know? Everyone wants to be sort of celebrating with everybody else, especially yeah. in, a, in an area where they haven't really had that much success, like basketball-wise, here yeah. in the Bay Area. Well, and for, for basketball, when it comes to basketball... People just want to be entertained with good good sports or, or, or good matchups. It's you know? easier to be entertained during a basketball game than I would say probably any of the other major sports. Where it's football, you have a lot of stuff going on before you actually get to the actual touchdown. Yep. Where where basketball, it's not to say it's, it's dumbed down or anything, but it's really simple. It's easy to follow. Ball goes in hoop. It's great. Ball goes in hoop from this line. It's even better. Yeah, yeah so, that's true. So I mean, it's easy to get excited. It's easy for like a casual fan to, to just get caught up in the moment where it's like if you're watching a hockey game and stuff, you're, you're sort of, oh, well, what's that mean? What's this mean? And everything. It, basketball is a real easy game to get along and just catch on with what everyone, what's going on around you and everything. Yeah. And it's deceptively simple at times because yes. you're right you can look at it you know a five-year-old can look at it and just say hey the ball went into the hoop and you yeah. know that team outscored this other team so yeah. you know they're better um but we'll we'll definitely break some yeah, of that down that's just on the on yeah. the on the surface layer yeah. yeah um yeah but for me definitely uh i've always been loyal to the, the warriors um you know even though I, I certainly watch playoff basketball no matter what mm-hmm. uh, even if the warriors aren't in it um and in terms of Favorite players, not just MJ, but obviously uh, Tim Duncan. I tip my hat to Dwayne Wade mm-hmm. is one of my all-time fave. Um, depending on how we're addressing it, I I'm a fan of aspects of LeBron, okay. but I can certainly debate some of the uglier sides of him. And, yeah. and and some of the unfair criticism. I think I can just kind of be unbiased on him. Yeah. I could, um, I could easily be that way also with, with him and a lot of other people, probably. Yeah. But let's, I mean, that's that's a little bit about us. It's a pilot, you know, and yeah. uh, you're going to learn way more about our views and opinions <laughs> on this. Uh, we hope to have some uh, guests coming on as well oh, yeah. uh, in, in the near future, and we're going to uh, tinker with the frequency uh, of these casts. But, you know, because they, uh, the playoffs are on right now, yeah, and... I've wanted to talk basketball from on Black and the Black Times Infinity for, since forever, 
and it's not really the appropriate uh, format. Right. We're branching out and uh, talking about it on here. Yeah. So here's what I want to get into with you, Stitch. Okay. Um, let's talk about some of the old NBA real quickly, man. Oh, boy. Um, I have this opinion. <laughs> and it ain't too popular, but fuck it. We're, we're, we're on here. So anything earlier than 1970... Maybe even seventy five. Completely miss me with all pro basketball talk in this country. <laughs> okay. With the exception of, I respect the fact that Bill Russell was a definite winner, and Wilt Chamberlain put up beyond video game numbers. Okay. The entire league, and and leagues up because I'm going to mm-hmm. throw in the ABA too. Okay. Had a lot of unprofessional big men that were goons. <laughs> and when I say goons, I mean like kind of in the hockey format yeah. of just big guys that could foul. Yeah. You know? Charles Oakley's that couldn't shoot. Yeah, they, they didn't have any actual basketball skill. A lot of folks were drunks, literally drinking at halftime. If you've seen that Will Ferrell movie, you know, with Woody Harrelson, I yeah, think, too. Uh... Uh, Tropic, not Tropic Thunder. No. Uh, damn it! What is the name of that movie? The uh, the basketball one. We'll we'll look it up. Um, but it, a lot of the stuff from that was was actually true about the ABA and the uh, the game in the seventies and whatnot. Um, people were getting high both before and after the game. The level of professionalism truly wasn't there. The level of competition truly wasn't there. Semi pro. And there, yeah, semi pro. Semi pro. And there wasn't a whole lot of competitiveness in terms of the best athletes in the country going to play pro basketball. Yeah, I, I see where you're going with that. And I I don't want to say I full 100% agree because I don't like to comment on things I fully didn't witness if we're talking about comparing eras. But I I, so I lean more towards your, your philosophy and your, your ideology on that aspect of of the of the nba and the aba at the time um to go more so with a modern aspect of it not to go back that far um but watching basketball in like the 80s through now um obviously the league was more physical you could hand check you people would get clobbered you could go into the hole and everything however when i always counter by saying the athleticism of today runs circles around what people were doing back in the day. You didn't have seven foot tall people pulling up, dribbling the ball, hitting threes regularly like like a Dirk or anything like that. You didn't have anyone. I mean, obviously everyone knows LeBron's a freak of nature, but you didn't have those those crazy athletes of people that could, I remember when Penny Hardaway came in the league <laughs> yeah. in like 95 and he was like 6'7", six, 6'8". Six, he he might yeah, 6'7", six, 6'8". Six, and he was a point guard handling the ball, posted up people best handles on the court and he was a problem people couldn't handle him he was changing the game even even with grant hill at the time grant hill could handle the ball and he was multi-tooled and people it was a matchup nightmare for for people between that older generation going into where we are at now before their injuries both the players you just mentioned grant hill and penny hardaway those two with the exception of obviously jordan and maybe pippen were the best players in the league all around, you know, yeah. non-big men. I mean, for their positions, 
they dominated that yeah. early to mid nineties, and they were a problem for everybody. Yeah, Grand Hill was a, a walking triple double, uh, and I, I just I've, I had like three Penny Hardaway jerseys. I had like the light blue, the black, the white. I had the little Chris Rock, a little figurine, a yeah, little penny. penny. Yeah, a little penny. he he was absolute nightmare. He was he was, and people didn't know how to defend him. Yeah. He was, it was like Pippen had to guard him because you couldn't really take Jordan off of of being out on a, uh, getting posted up all all day because that Jordan couldn't bang to take that that physical. And Penny was bigger than than vastly everyone even even great defenders like Gary Payton like he towered over them and he was just a, a bigger dude the problem with Penny Hardaway was he had handles and he was bigger but he was also faster yeah. with a vert and could shoot so the only issue with him is injuries happen yeah you know and i think actually uh, if you've played in the league now, some of the incredible things that they're doing with yeah. uh, training and yeah. recovery and even some surgeries. Like Kobe had some kind of magical surgery in 0809. Yeah. It had him spinning blood in like Germany or, yeah. or something like that. If Penny Hardaway had been uh, given those kind of opportunities from a medical standpoint, mm-hmm. I think he would have dominated the league for another five or six years. Um, <laughs> but I can't I'm, remember the actual... Injury he had, I don't know if it was like a micro fracture or something like that. But even like Amari Stoudemire had that surgery maybe twice or something, yeah. and he's he's come back and. Well, you know, people people forget just how difficult basketball actually is. Um, even you know when you say okay, the league isn't as physical because the rules change. You're still having to. Run and bang, no pads on whatsoever, 82 times a year plus the playoffs. It's a, it's a real physical game, and people, a lot of times it just gets disrespected, and people don't see it that way, because all they see are people wearing gym shorts and, and, a, and a jersey shirt and everything. Yep. They're like, I do, I do the same thing in my, my YMCA. Okay, that's fine. But you're not going against guys that are 6'8", 200 plus pounds that are literally throwing their entire body yeah, onto you. These are beasts, you know, in terms of yeah. uh, when you see an actual NBA player, you're, you're usually humbled in terms of their size, yeah. and then you combine that with skill and athleticism. You see a point like, guard, wow. you see a 6'3 guy, you're looking up to him 90% of the time, Exactly, and that's just, the, that's a small point guard. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But um, for me, I have zero respect for any, and I do mean any player that played in the 1950s or 40s. Uh, George Mikan, uh, <laughs> Minneapolis Laker, ain't shit. Oh, man. Um, I'm going to say Bob Cousy would not dominate the league now. You know, and I'm, I'm naming some players that a lot of young folks who don't really follow the NBA history or whatever probably have never even heard of. You're right. But, or you could go on NBA 2K and play them, yeah. I guess, probably. The legends. But there was a lot of people who weren't shit in the NBA uh, historically. And really, the only two people you need to worry about prior to 1970s, uh, 1970s basketball, or maybe yeah, early 70s, is Will and Bill Russell. And literally everybody else can go go somewhere. Um, I know some people are going to say, oh, what about Oscar Robinson? I was about to say. I, I, I respect him averaging triple-double for an entire season. Like I, like we discussed league. earlier, I don't know the level of competition in the league. I wasn't alive then. I don't right. really have no interest in... I've watched the film. Uh-huh. I've watched the film. And obviously, it's it's almost like going back uh, and watching like 
early eighty an early eighties video game. Oh boy. And you're 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 looking at it and you're like, oh man, the graphics on here yeah. are terrible. It's like some like some double dribble. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, man, this this doesn't even look like it's the yeah. same game. Yes, he was one of the better player players of his era, but he was going up against very short, very unathletic, um, non-talented, non-talented players. Let, let's just be honest. Yeah. And the other thing is with the modern NBA, there's so much competition at even the high school level. Forget collegiate. Just to make it to the McDonald's All-American Games and the AAU yeah. stuff, you have to prove yourself in national tournaments yeah. at age Early. 14, yeah. 15. That didn't happen for any of these yeah. players. Also, it's it's a much more global game now than it is than it was back then. You have people coming from from Germany, Puerto Rico, What's China. Game? Yeah, with we uh, the guy from uh, I think he's on Utah uh, from Australia and everything. They they're covering all all aspects of the globe. Yes, yes. You had none of that. You had a smaller country, and again, the best athletes did not go it to play professional basketball. Um, first of all, there wasn't a whole lot of money in it no. because a lot of these players, when they weren't playing, were actually working in the sawmill, mm-hmm. working, you know, on a used car lot, doing all these other odd jobs. You know, one of my favorite stories uh, was <laughs> Larry Bird, obviously a superstar in the eighties, mm-hmm. going home uh, to work on his uh, his house or whatever <laughs> uh, in Indiana, and oh, then wow. that. Uh, fell, falling off a ladder, that was the injury that slowed him down. Oh, wow. I didn't you know, know that. Mean? Yeah. Okay. I knew he had back issues, but I didn't It's all his fucking fault for working <laughs> on his house. But I mean, there was a different mentality, yeah. you know, with the game. Not saying, you know, the 80s is the same era as like the 50s and 60s. Right. But there was still even that lingering effect of, okay, in the offseason, all you're going to do is recover, lift some weights, and work on your game. You're not going to work on your fucking house, yeah, no. you superstar. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, anyway. Can't even imagine that today. They won't even let them get on a motorcycle. Of course not. Let alone climb a ladder and start working with heavy machinery and shit. Yeah, no shit. No. Yeah, so. That shit ain't happening. Anyway. Um, I, I just, I have so little respect for Oscar Robinson. And the way he decided with his get off my lawn, old man shit. They're all like that. To come at Steph, who he could, I, I guarantee you, Oscar Robinson would not be in the league. I, and I'm saying that he would not be in the league. You could take a 20 year old Oscar Robinson. <laughs> and, the, and one of my other pieces of shade with this is the NBA training regiment yeah. in the 60s uh, and 50s wasn't even the equivalent of the training regiment and fitness that you would need to be an Olympic athlete. In the 50s and 60s, or a like Muhammad Ali boxer. Yeah. So, miss me with that bullshit of, well, if they had today's technology and blah. No, they didn't even utilize the tra- the best training method methods and whatnot of the 50s and 60s. Yeah, exactly. They I, were smoking cigars yeah. at halftime. You know? Yeah, I, I hate that shit. It's like, if my grandma had wheels, she'd be a bicycle. Yeah. Like, who can, like, that's. It doesn't matter. They didn't. They didn't do it. Why were we playing the what if game? They did. They chose not to because they actually didn't take the game very seriously. The game was not taken very seriously. Um, 
really, I'm going to say, probably prior to the David Stern commissioner era. Uh, That's when it became super professional. I wish I had looked up to see what year it was that Stern actually came in. But definitely, uh, he gets a lot of credit, and I think deservingly so, of helping uh, the NBA bring in a lot of money. And, and uh, also, Jordan gets gets a, a lot of credit for that. Right, uh, so. he, he definitely uh, took it to a... You still had your superstars. You had Isaiah Thomas. 1980. 1980? Uh, okay. No, well, I'm sorry. Keep going. You, you still had... Um, you still had your stars. You had Isaiah. You had Bird, uh, Magic. But Jordan definitely um, became a, a huge icon where... And especially with his, his campaigns would be like Mike and... And everything where it was able to just, his face was everywhere, kids wanted to be him, and it was just, his shoe shoe game was, was blew up, and he became, I, I don't want to say he was the first, but he was the first from what I remember where everyone's like, I need that athlete's shoe. Yes, he was the first to a certain extent. They did have the converse with Magic Johnson yeah, and Larry Bird. I do remember but that. But here was the difference when it came to Jordan. You had people who didn't give a shit about basketball or even know basketball that wanted to be like this wonder kid. Mm-hmm. And the 80s Jordan is very different from the 90s Jordan and obviously the crying meme Jordan. That <laughs> You're not, I mean, most kids aren't going to believe it unless they actually see it and witness it. Mm-hmm. But the 80s Jordan was a faster, st- stronger in terms of leg strength and jumping ability a freak of nature like LeBron, but just not as strong upper body wise. He, I, I think he was, and it'd be nice to to, to sort of go back and, and look in on it specifically. But he reminds me of uh, sort of like how Jerry Rice was. He was just, I think he was so conditioned, yeah. more so than everybody else. Like you didn't, he didn't really ever seem to get tired when he played. Like he was. He was out, even when he when he's got the infamous flu game and everything. He's still out there busting ass, dropping points, and, and hitting game winning shots and stuff, and has to be carried off and getting IVs in the locker room and everything. But I think uh, everything goes. He was extremely athletic. I just definitely think, and he put in more work. He put in a lot more go. work than everybody else, and he was so well conditioned. Where it's like, oh, you're tired. This is where I'm going to kill you right now. He talked a whole lot of shit. He obviously backed it up. Um, the conditioning was something that. He learned later in life after, you know, Boston and Detroit beat him up. And if you haven't looked up the Jordan rules, please go do so. Those are an important part of basketball history. Uh, They did get into like the the thuggery or goon style of of play with Chuck Daly and the bad boy Detroit Pistons. But they beat him up, basically. Uh, Anytime he was flying through the air dunking on somebody, Bill Lambeer or Rodman or Mahorn would just clip him out of the air. All those, all those. Yeah. Tough guys. Um, but he beefed up his body. He got stronger. He got better. And he improved his game. And I'll even give Kobe a lot of credit, too. He modeled his later years after that in terms of the tenacity in the gym to uh, get your body prepared for a long season. Yeah. And 82 games is a really, really long season, especially with travel. I mean, you're traveling more. Today I, saw, I was watching um, something on ESPN where they were comparing the – mileage that the Golden State Warriors have traveled in comparison with the Bulls during their their season and it's like over like 2000 or something miles more that they've actually had to like physically travel on planes and stuff going from all over I mean obviously 
uh, Chicago is more of a central location than than flying out of the Bay Area and going to all these different places. But uh, I mean, it's it's a wear and tear. Eighty two games, back to back nights, going from this place to that place, long road trips. It, it's it wears on you. Well, I'll even say this too. A lot of people don't realize that with the NBA uh, during the regular season. When you're having back-to-back nights and a long road trip, there's not a whole lot of time to prepare and develop strategy for this particular team or this particular player or th- these are his uh, you know, go-to moves and this is what he doesn't like. This is how we're gonna... There's not a whole lot of time for that like you would in a, the playoffs in a, yeah, in a like series football, or whatever. Yeah. Or like, for, for example, in football where you literally do get an entire week to yeah. prepare for Tom Brady. Yeah. You know, it, it's not that way. There's a lot of impromptu, man up. I, I know that this is their best player. I've circled this date on the calendar. I'm going to beat this person. Yeah. Uh, and there's a mental aspect to the game that definitely gets overlooked sometimes. The other thing is, I feel like um, the X's and O's get watered down I, quite a bit. I definitely uh, I like how, you, how that gets transitioned into uh, probably our coaching aspect of yeah. things with uh, X's and O's, uh, especially since we did talk about how uh, you, you don't really have that much time to watch tape on people to figure out strategies. A lot of it is in-game adjustments, halftime yes. adjustments, thinking on the fly, seeing what works, what doesn't work. You can't just run the same pick and roll <laughs> every time up and down the court, up and down the court. Unless People, you the Utah Jazz yeah. with below it and start. But they still, they still didn't win anything. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Utah. Yeah, but uh, you you have to figure out it, and especially with the, with the course of a basketball game where it's it's so up tempo and it's it's constantly moving. You have to decide and make great coaching decisions. Like, all right, am I going to let this this run that the other teams? God, God, they're all they're on a fifteen two point run. Am I going to let it play out? I'm going to let my team battle through this. Or am I going to call a timeout, stop it? Or, or and I think a lot of times, uh, I mean, I watch a lot of Laker games. Phil Jackson's sort of notorious for letting his teams figure the shit out him, themselves and let them play through this this run. And sometimes it ends up blowing up in his face. But obviously, he's in my opinion the best coach of all time. But uh, it's worked out more than it hasn't, where he lets his team. Figure it out. Up, oh, they're coming back. Up, oh, they got the lead. Up, oh, I'm still not going to time call a timeout. You need to figure this out. I feel like I'm glad you brought up Phil Jackson. Um, nobody can take away the fact that 11. I'm, I'm, yeah. Now I'm, I'm trying to count them. six with Jordan, five with yeah, yeah 11. 11. So 11 championships is absolutely remarkable. He's dominated the league for two decades. Um, and at the same time, some people want to throw shade. You know, I'm not saying I'm one of them, but some people want to throw shade of saying. Well, he's always had two of the top four players or top five players in the league on a squad where he's won championships. And that's true. But but at the same time, I don't think people give enough credit that he was able to manage the egos exactly. of those superstar yep. players. Um, Pippen did not have the same ego as Kobe. I, I, I think that that's accurate. But he did not. He not when not, Jordan was there. Yes, yeah, there's, 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 that, that infam- there's that infamous uh, moment where he, the ball wasn't coming to him. Good distinction. And he was like, I ain't going in this game. And then Kukoc hit the shot. I uh, yeah, and I forget. I, I was it a playoff that. game? I think so. Yeah, and Kukoc hit the shot. Yeah. And, and everyone was like, well, what the, what the fuck? And Pippen just had to eat that. Yeah, whatever. yeah. Um, you're right. Pippen's ego developed over the course of those six championships. There's no doubt about yeah. it. 
I think um, it was like, it's my time now. Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, I think Kobe's ego and confidence was always there, even from a, obviously oh, yeah. a teenager going into the league, uh, which had its own ups and downs. But being able to manage the egos of Shaq and Kobe and Jordan and the rest of that those teams on the Bulls, with, yeah. with Rodman there too, that was impressive. It's a, it's a full-time job to... Manage the egos of grown men. Yeah. Like it's it's grown up babysitting, and I didn't get a chance to watch the uh, the the thirty for thirty. Uh, I think it was this week or last week with uh, going about the Orlando Magic. Mm. They uh, they had one of the most amazing teams. I thought. I mean, I, I would beast mode on on NBA Jam, but I mean, you had Penny Hardaway, Nick Anderson, they, Shaq. They, real quick, they beat the yeah. Jordan in the playoffs. I forget what year it was the ninety. Five years before I think was, they yeah. started the three-peat. Yeah. Let me say that again. They beat the Bulls. The th- same, yeah. basically the same roster almost. Yeah. Bulls with Jordan and Pippen in the playoffs. People people forget before that. The pl- before the three-peat. People forget that because according to them, Jordan's never lost a game ever in his life. Jordan's <laughs> never lost a series. Jordan's never missed a shot. Jordan, Jordan, Jordan. He might as well be Paul Bunyan. As long as fucking people talk about it. But... That that Orlando team, they had they had two back to back first picks, first round picks, I believe it was. Something like that. And the first one, they technically they drafted Chris Weber, but traded him, or maybe they had Shaq first. I forget. I think Shaq came before Penny. Yeah, Penny, yeah, Shaq came before Penny. They drafted Shaq because um, I think in that draft it went Shaq. Uh, Somebody, it was, was it Sean Bradley that year? Somebody. Then like that. Alonzo Mourning, I think, was the third, because Shaq and Alonzo came out the same year. Yeah. And then in the next draft, they drafted Penny Hardaway. They, I, I think they drafted with the Warriors, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Them, yeah. So uh, they had a, an amazing team, but, and I will obviously go into my issues with Shaq, even being a Laker fan. I am not a, the biggest Shaq fan at all. Um, his, his ego is, is un. Unbelievable, and it, it sickens me at times, and he, he aggravates me because they had something great going on, and he Shaq just leaves like this snail trail of jealousy when somebody else starts to get equal attention or he gets close to equal attention as him, and it blows up the entire fucking team. It happened in Orlando when Penny Hardaway is getting the commercials, Penny Hardaway is getting the Nike deal. He's it's everyone's little penny this, penny that, or whatever. And then next thing you know, boom, he, he wants out. He goes to L.A., he's got his issues with Kobe. That whole thing goes to shit when Kobe starts to come up and then Shaq starts to come, go on his little bit of a decline. Boom. Well, he goes to Miami. Dwayne Wade's the guy there. Boom. That was what? He was there for a year, two years? Or a year or two. Yeah. He was, he was a shadow of his former yeah. self in Miami. But it's just ridiculous. Um... Shaq is kind of an enigma, I think, when he was motivated and wanting to be the dude, he was literally unstoppable. Um, I, think, I think he's just big man lazy. and I, There's a lot of that. There's a, a lot of that. A truth. lot of these, a lot of people and that are just, they're just born bigger and stronger than everybody else. It's like they don't have to work. It, I mean, not to, to divulge back on our... our 
our Black and the Black Times Infinity podcast, but it's like a Superman aspect of it, yeah. where Superman is a shitty fighter because he doesn't have to fight. He's yeah. He has no technique. He's just so strong and bigger than everybody else. He doesn't have to work on his technique. Free throws, whatever. I can just dunk. That yeah. was his, his sort of philosophy. There, there's a lot of that. I, I did see literally today a meme about Superman knowing these uh, Kryptonian fucking uh, martial arts stuff. And I was like, really? Uh, yeah, I was like, you're going to have to show me that comic. <laughs> Where he, as an infant, gets to learn, or, or even going back to anyway, we're getting way into nerdy stuff. But you have to prove to me that that Superman really knows Kryptonian yeah. martial arts. No. I look sideways as hell at that. <laughs> but you're right; there is an aspect of laziness that comes with Shaq. There's yeah. no doubt about it. Because remember, when he came into the league his rookie year, what people marveled at wasn't just his size; it was his athleticism and his low body fat. Do you remember yeah, that? Yeah. People talked about the fact that he was like less than 5% yeah. body fat and 7-1 and fast. Yeah. My, uh, actually, my uh, father-in-law coached Shaq at LSU uh, during, in, in, I think it was 92, 93, when uh, it was him. Chris Jackson was there as well, who uh, later became Mahmoud Abdul. No. Yeah, yeah Mahmoud uh, No. Yeah, Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf. Oh, yeah, I got him mixed. I was thinking Sharif Abdul-Rahim for a second. It yeah. came to my head. I was like, let me not butcher those names. And people start yelling at me, thinking they all all, they all the names sound alike. But, <laughs> but uh, he tells me stories about how he was just tossing medicine balls like they were basketballs, like just up in the air, like they were nothing. Like they were just like badminton shuttlecocks and yeah. everything. And I he, mean, that was the ball, Paul Bunyan stuff was yeah. that. But what, and Kobe has admitted this, what frustrated him the most was, especially even after that first championship, Shaq wasn't like the first person to come into off-season mm-hmm. training or workout after the third championship, obviously. But to his credit, during his Laker years, his production was there, with the exception of maybe that last year, you know, yeah, um, with, the, with the Lakers. I think that you're right. I think there was some jealousy. Um, remember, Shaq has always had his own shitty ass shoes with Reeboks yeah, that nobody fucking wanted. No. You know, but um, he's still a Hall of Famer. He's still someone who dominated. But God damn it, I, I mean, I, I want to see him hit free throws. All he had to do was hit free throws. That was the only thing holding him back was being able to hit free throws. And everyone will say, "Oh, well, hit him when it count." Okay, that's fine. But still, when, if you're averaging whatever fifty five to fifty nine percent free throw shooting, you're still leaving a lot of points out there. I don't care as a fan if you have to fucking bounce it off that fucking square on the backboard and bank it in every time. I want those points. And that's all you have to do is practice. And it's just like whatever. I think they brought in Rick Barry one time, to, uh, the one who would, uh, would do the underhand sort of grandma style. And he's like, no, no, I ain't, I ain't doing that. Get, get the fucking points on the board. Like, I don't, I don't care. He actually would have averaged literally... 35-plus points per game if he only shot 75% from the free throw line, insane. Which, is, which is nothing. It's insane. Um, but yeah, Shaq, Shaq is who he is. Let's get into some uh, some of the stuff with uh, uh, starting five of all... Actually, you know what? You know, before we get into that, sorry, I switched gears too much. Coaches, we mentioned oh, yeah, Phil we, Jackson. Yeah, yeah. We, we went on a few tangents with Phil Jackson. Um, he's a polarizing figure. I think he deserves a lot of credit. I think uh, you can also tell some things about him the years that he didn't win championships or the teams where, you know, when Jordan wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you got to kind of weigh all of that into account. But a, an amazing coach. My fave, though, the one who I think from a system standpoint, if I was going, if I was a owner, I would choose 
overfill is still going to be Greg Popovich. Oh, man. Um, I think Greg Popovich has an eye for talent, obviously internationally, like none other. And I think he's a system guy. Is he the one making these draft picks? I don't know. I'm asking. I'm not. It's not I a believe, setup question. Uh, yeah, no. I, and I believe, uh, and Spurs fans definitely uh, hit us up. We'll give our Twitter stuff after yeah. this. But um, I believe that he was intimately involved in not only the draft picks, but some of the recruiting. Not to say that he was in Argentina watching games or in France watching games per se, but I believe he had his people doing it, and I believe he had film, and I believe he did the analysis and saw how people who are on the other side of the world would fit into the NBA game, which was almost impossible and unheard of prior to them, prior to him. Now, I would have to... I. I need to check my my Spurs history because I I'm not exactly sure what year it was that he came in. I know David Robinson got a ring, and I think it, that was Duncan's rookie year. Something like I think that. they I think they or played they had their little twin tower years. Uh, I think it was maybe one year together. I forget how it was that they got that lottery pick if Robinson was injured. David Robinson was injured a full year. Okay. And they that was one of the years that the Spurs just tanked. Okay. And they got really one of the top well, draft picks. I, the Celtics, I think, actually were supposed to have the number one I guess statistically they had the worst record or something that year and the they lottery didn't the lot yeah it, they ended up getting the third pick or something and San Antonio ended up drafting Duncan. If I remember correctly that was it. um and he, he he was a great player out of Wake Forest. Um and they, I, uh, I don't no, remember when Popovich that. He is still a great. I mean, he's still in the league, man. He, he's still he's still doing his thing. He's in the playoffs playing tonight. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure they won. Yeah, because I and uh, I really wish I had done a little bit more prep so I could know off the top of my head exactly what year it was he came in. But it was around like maybe ninety. I think ninety-seven. I think ninety-seven. Yeah. The year after um, Kobe. But I mean, and then I need to know when Popovich actually took over the team because I mean, inheriting David Robinson is that's. That's great. He's one of what top fifty unanimous top fifty. Was he on that top fifty players list? Definitely a top fifty, but he was in the decline in the twilight years of his career. Yeah, he, I mean the the season where he dropped seventy one. That last, I uh, remember that. Yeah, the, that that was a couple of years before um, all that happened. But still, I don't think they had that many teams that had two bona fide. Was Duncan technically seven foot? Cause, or is he 6'11"? Six, six okay. But did, you still had Twin Towers there, oh, yeah. and that, that gave a lot of teams problems because uh, not everyone had a big man, let alone True. they had two. But Robinson retired early on in, in uh, Duncan's career, mm. um, and they completely retooled with the Tony Parker they and Ginobili took era. advantage of basketball becoming a world, the, the, the world attraction and... and it becoming a, a worldwide sport, yeah. uh, but with, with people like Ginobili, Tony Parker, even some of the other people that they were able to get uh, like as their role players that that helped them and, and played great uh, facilitating roles off the bench. A lot of those were international, yeah. And uh, most teams weren't really looking or, or there's they weren't scouting those those areas of the globe, yeah. And I he, think the Spurs definitely took advantage of that, and it's like they had first pick of an entire. Supermarket. Yeah, but also it's not just finding them; it's it's fitting them into a system. You know, a lot of the if you're in Argentina, I guarantee you, you don't know anything about San Antonio, Texas. I can guarantee. If you're in some part of France, 
you don't know. You could yeah, not true. find San Antonio on a map. Sure. And Popovich was able to integrate that well. And the other thing that I got to give credit to Popovich, there's no off years. There's not a single year in the Duncan era where you can say this team didn't make the playoffs. They only had 30 wins. He, they never fell off. He's also, I think it also helps out that him, him being in a small market and not having that super mega star. Duncan is a star. I don't put him in the same mega star light as you would put a Kobe or or a Jordan. And a lot of a lot That's of That's only based on location though. Well, not numbers. I, I think it it also is on on in terms of like the the diva aspect of things. Where you have a lot of shit a lot of stuff that that goes with being a superstar in a superstar city that doesn't happen really in San Antonio. Tim Duncan's not a loud spoken guy. He's sort of just chill, mild mannered. You don't really have any. A lot of ninety percent of the basketball players that are really, really good, they'll let you know that they're really good. Yeah. They'll let the the reporters, they'll let anybody with a microphone in front of their face, let them know how good they are, and that causes that rubs certain people the wrong way. And also, let us not forget that the both the Lakers and the Bulls had some crazy shit going on with their front office that <laughs> definitely grenaded <laughs> some seasons. Uh, yeah, Jerry Krause. Uh, Act, talking out of, out of turn and, and real quick, real quick. <laughs> Jerry Krause and there was another guy that was the owner in 1998-99 I just want to set this up for the people who are, are too young to fucking remember because this still infuriates me to this day and I hope the Bulls never win another championship <laughs> I hope they never go to the playoffs again while they still have that same owner after Jordan did his second three-peat Jordan said point blank not behind closed doors well, behind closed doors and publicly, all season long. If you keep Pippen and you give me Phil Jackson, I'll resign and win you another fucking championship. Point fucking blank. It's, it's not that hard of a request. The Bulls owner, ownership said, nah, son. <laughs> We're going to go in a new direction. We don't want to win any more championships with you, Jordan, mm-hmm. and Phil Jackson, and, and Scottie Pippen. We've had our fill with six. Thank you very much. Your services are no longer needed. There's the door. Yeah. It, I just... Owner I, ego. As, as crazy as that fucking sounds, that's exactly what happened. All these, all these owners are like that. <laughs> even even the Golden State owners started talking, getting started chirping a little bit loud towards the end of the season, saying like, "What about my credit? I'm the one that created this team. It's not all Steph." Like, ooh yeah, shut the fuck up and just <laughs> chill, ride ride this wave. Take several seats. Yeah, and then it's like as soon as he said that, it's like the Warriors lost like two of their next three or something. And like uh, some of the sports people, like Dan Levitar, was like, "Warriors are now two and three since fat owner opens his mouth. Fat, fat mouth owner opens his mouth." Yeah. But even with the Lakers, you had so much drama going on in there, their front office, and then obviously with all the the stuff going on with. Kobe said this about Shaq. Shaq said, Shaq said this about Kobe. And then he had the, the rape stuff and et cetera, et cetera. It's just so much turmoil that was going on outside of the, the actual basketball court. I definitely think that I give Phil Jackson a nod for being able to handle all those distractions where I don't think Popovich has even had to deal with any of those. Popovich doesn't even like doing fucking halftime interviews. He, so he just great. like get out of my face and everything. You couldn't do that in New York. You can't do that in New York. You can't do that in L.A. 
if, the, my only counter to that, I agree with you in principle, you, you, you usually can't, but I still to this day look at someone like Belichick for the, uh, the New England Patriots, and literally he says to motherfuckers in a big market like Boston, you know, East Coast darling of the NFL, he says, basically, I'm not answering that. I have my sweatshirt on. Good day, sir. Belichick gets a pass with the local media. On a national, the local media, we're talking about the, well, not to you know, go into a different, <laughs> different sport it's and everything. Yeah. But the, the Patriots were whooping boys uh, uh, before Belichick got there. They were getting blown out in, in Super Bowls to the fucking Chicago Bears and, and just getting, getting waxed on. He came there. If you're winning, you can act the donkey. If you if you want to, if you're winning, you can you can act a fool at press conferences. Like when Rex Ryan was winning for the Jets, that. he could say all this funny stuff and, and throw shots. Once once the losses start coming, then that's when you saw all of a sudden you got problems. And I think it's the same way with basketball, that's except true. they just haven't they haven't had to lose. They haven't had any sort of and for the most part they they've been relatively healthy in terms of their their superstar i mean duncan's about to retire well, within the next 2 years let's give credit to where credit's due with pop that's not just random chance that they've been healthy but, popovich invented the system of we're going to rest our fucking players when i say so yeah and even though fans don't like it because sometimes you know let's say uh like in new york they only play the knicks or the yeah, celtics twice, twice a year yeah. And if you're in Boston or New York and you love Tim Duncan and want to see the, the Spurs maybe a, a coming off of a championship year or whatever, and Pop says, nah, fuck you. Duncan's resting. Ginobili's resting. They I, do that by intention I think he does to that. save them. I think he does that more so for the playoffs than actual their... He does it right with season two, though. Yeah, I, but I mean... He limits their minutes. He's, he's done all... The minute control, the minute control aspect for... Big players throughout the regular season, that's all directly influenced. We we take it for granted now and think it, it's just everybody in the league does it. No, that's come from pop. Well, in, injuries to a certain aspect are are random. Like you can they are. you can pull your hammy just running up and down the court. You can twist your ankle without it, anyone stepping on it or anything just by you being physically on the court. You can get a non contact injury. It's not like a guy falls on the ankle or, or is getting. A whole pile of bodies tossed on it. A lot of times, it's, it is real freakish, and they've been they've they have been fortunate. I won't say that uh, his system doesn't help with it because I, I think it's a wise it's a wise strategy. Rest them if you guys are playing the the, the fucking Charlotte Bobcats or whatever, and we're up by three games or not three games. It's more like nine games in the standing on UK, OKC. Then who cares this game's not going to matter if it's we got five games left we're already locked down our seed we already locked down our home court advantage talk with your players your players want a night off or whatever just to rest and relax and get caught up for going on a, lo- a long road trip or uh, uh they're going back home for, or for our homestand let them have the day off and i think popovich gets a lot of respect from his players because he takes the pulse of his team where a lot of dictator type coaches they'll they just do as I say. This yep. and someone like Tom Thibodeau for the Bulls a uh, couple of years ago, who actually isn't there anymore. He ran those players into the ground. He did. Does he, that he probably is the reason why Derrick Rose is a shell of his, himself Ooh, now. Well, that he has no intent, Mister Glassman. Yeah. Really quickly too on Pop. One of the things I learned about him, I think later or earlier this year, he actually <laughs> tells his players not to do a whole lot of actual dunking. 
in the fourth quarter and, and third quarter because that leads to more wear and tear and he's got more science behind it. And I mean, hmm. he goes down into all type. I mean, imagine that. A, a coach saying, hey, it's a regular season. It's December. I don't want you dunking in the fourth quarter. Just do a, a tall layup, basically. I, I mean, Pop has a system. And that method has been consistent for 20 years, and he's had nothing but success and, and one of the most winningest yeah. coaches. Yeah, so. you, can't, you can't argue with what he does. It works. Yeah. That's, that's not questionable. All right. I'm going to switch gears on you. One-on-ones. Okay. That'd be good. That'd uh, be fun. We thought of this segment because uh, there's some topical stuff going on in the NBA. Obviously, the playoffs are on right now. This uh, One of these players, I think both of them are actually Hall of Famers. One of them just got inducted officially. Uh, and I want to hear... The second one will be potentially... I think there's no potential about it, but, but yeah. Is he, better than, is he better now than Penny Hardaway was? I think they're at the same level. If, if Oh, by far he's better. And, I think if Curry never played a game again, I think everyone would look at it sort of like a Bo Jackson type aspect. Are, are we doing the Penny Hardaway uh, stuff? Or are we doing the... No, I'm just, I'm just saying... Because <laughs> I can do that one too. <laughs> I, I don't and you'll you'll come to get this about me from the listeners. I hate living in the moment and True. be like this is the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. This is the best player I've ever seen. This is he's Hall of Famer. Like pump your brakes, calm down, chill out for a minute, let it digest, let 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 it let it simmer, and then let's analyze it. But uh, let's go ahead with the the question before yes. so people know who we're who what we're yeah we're exactly. Out. So we're talking about Allen Iverson, the answer, um, and Steph Curry. Uh, I, does he have a nickname right now? Besides a Splash Brother? Chef, Chef Chef Curry? Yeah, Chef Curry, I guess. Yeah, yeah that's a terrible name. Uh, nickname, not, I guess. Not much really you can do with that, I guess. Um, so it's just one-on-one. Like, who would we rather have? Who would who would beat who one-on-one in a game? Or Why don't we first... Why don't we take it twofold? Why don't we say, who would beat the other one-on-one? And then, if you were to draft somebody who would you rather have uh yeah just looking at there i know obviously iverson has had has completed his career um and we're looking back on his whereas we may be just starting with staff even though he's been in the league six years now just so i um for those people that only know Allen Iverson as maybe like a name or just... Oh, wow. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Allen Iverson was a great, iconic point guard uh, from Georgetown University. Grew up in the, uh, I think it's Newport News, Hampton Roads area of uh, Virginia. And he changed the game. He, uh, I think he played... John Thompson was still the coach at that time. And uh, it was kind of ironic because Georgetown was putting out mainly big men. They put out Ewing, Matumbo, Morning. Toronto, yeah. So all of a sudden it's like they have this beast mode point guard. Uh, who set the league on fire for for Philadelphia? And um, if you want to look up some some highlights, and you get bored at work one day, and uh, you you get tired of watching uh, Vince Carter dunk highlights, go check out uh, Allen Iverson and what he would do. Uh, if you are a if you are a Russell Westbrook fan, oh, yeah. you would love watching what Allen Iverson did throughout the course of it, mainly with, with Philly, but uh, that's mainly where we're going to deal with his uh, with his peak. Uh, years when he was with Philly, but he single-handedly took the 76ers, who had a garbage team. Completely garbage. Be- Eric Snow, Derek McKee, 
Uh, Matumbo, who's a great defender, but couldn't play offense for and, shit. And uh, Matumbo couldn't shoot free throws. Matumbo could just block shots. Did, was Derek Coleman on that team, too? I feel like he was. Oh, there was old, some really, really dark Derek guy Coleman. that was there. I don't even know if it was like fucking like an old Kevin Scruff. Lewis type dude. Every single one of them scrubs. Yeah. I'm not sure if they would start for any other team. No. I, I don't know where they went after their stint with Philly. I have no idea. They scrubs. just fell off the face of earth. Um, Allen Iverson was amazing to watch. He attacked the Wren... Like nobody else, and I think he was six two, six <laughs> no, 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 six one. He was five eleven. <laughs> and when you put on shoes and maybe you know a, a little bit of those like odor eater <laughs> kind of inserts yeah, in pads. there, maybe he he just tip over six one. Yeah, he was he was a phenomenal, and uh, he crossed up Jordan. Uh, I love that. Hilariously. But, I, I love that. how that one play. <laughs> yeah. But uh, he, and then we have, obviously everyone familiar with basketball knows uh, Steph Curry, who's uh, been in the league seven years. I was uh, My friend Ryan had no idea that Curry was, he's like, oh, he's been in the league for like four years. I was like, no, he's been for seven. Yeah. Like, he's, he's been in the league for, for a good bit. Um, I think Curry is the best shooter I've ever seen in my life. I'll put that out there right now. Steph Curry is the best basketball shooter I've seen in my life. And I, I, Reggie Miller is fine, whatever. He's a great shooter. Ray Allen's a great shooter. Chuck Person. Rifleman. Right. But Steph Curry creates his own shot and is in, is, he's just clutch with it. Where you had Ray Allen who would run over, run around some screens, same with, with uh, Reggie Miller. They are, it's a difference when you are bringing the ball up court. And literally, you have to check the person when he crosses that half-court line. Like, you, you might as well just guard him when he gets out the car to the arena. Because he, he can pull up from anywhere. I think that I would rather have Curry, and I hate being the prisoner of the moment, but what Curry's done over the past two years has been absolutely fucking amazing. Um, he can dribble. He can pass. Uh he controls the ball really well. He can attack the rim when he wants to and when he needs to. He's not as fast or explosive as Iverson was. But his range is so much more dangerous than anything Allen Iverson had. Allen Iverson, if they were going one-on-one, I'm sure would take him take him to the hole, try to out-dribble him. But Curry's got this, almost the same level of handles, if not better, than Iverson, I think they sort of cancel each other out with, in terms of their ball handling. Iverson is a better finisher at the rim because obviously he could throw down. But I think Curry's shooting over over does uh, anything that Iverson brings to the table. I got to jump in. I agree with about 80% of what you said. Um, a lot of really solid points. I think that what gets forgotten about Allen Iverson, and I loved Allen Iverson, he was a terrible shooter from a field goal percentage standpoint. He was a yeah. volume shooter. Now, I knock Kobe sometimes for, in certain seasons, especially later on in his career, very much a volume shooter. And when I say volume shooter, if you're shooting under 48% field goal percentage as a two guard, you know, you need to evaluate some of your shot selection because you're taking either. Too many difficult shots or just not executing properly. Now, Iverson, again, Hall of Famer, great player. There were a lot of times when he would lead the league in scoring or close to it, but yet 
shoot 43% from the field or 42% from the field. Small guy, big heart, but I can't have that 42% from the field when I got someone like Steph leading a team to 73 wins and shooting 45% from three-point and 50% from the field and giving me six assists as well. I think if we are going to compare the two individuals, we should leave sort of... Obviously, we, we just ta- uh, discussed the the shitbag squad that Iverson was with. He did have a shitbag squad. You're <laughs> so, right. You're right. I, I, I have, you're right. So we can't ignore that Curry obviously played for the greatest regular season basketball team in, yeah. in NBA history. So it, it's a deeper team. Yeah, you're right. We sort of we I'm sort of got to. I'm going to take that I, out. I definitely think that affects shooting percentage um, to a certain aspect because it, it affects how the offense is ran. If yeah. Iverson was more of a a drive attack the basket person attack Off of isolation exactly uh clear it they out couldn't even set screens for him now that i think about it. it it was everything was iso it was spread it out let him break it down <laughs> if somebody collapsed or tried to, to give assistance at the rim then he would dish it out and keep his fingers crossed that eric snow would hit a, a shot so <laughs> that, that that was how philadelphia got to uh nba finals, finals. <laughs> and they actually beat the lakers in a game yeah yeah that was a that's a meme. Yes. I, I would, I've seen that one come back. It was oh, great. That's one that of my favorite so ones. Great. But uh, I definitely take Curry. I think it's it's mainly the range that does it for me. Um, they're both really small guys. Even though Curry technically is probably three. got him by three three four inches. Um, I think it's just the range where Curry's quick release. He can and he can just pull up from anywhere. I, I think that's a, a big advantage. And there's no shade towards Allen Iverson. Um, I just think that Curry has has it, and um, I people forget. And I was I was in this. Uh, someone put this little picture meme, of, like these like four athletes. They put like uh, Randy Moss, Iverson, Ken Griffey Jr., and, and somebody else. And they're like, oh, which one of these greatest people? Uh, which one of these people were the best athletes? Uh, that didn't have a ring, and I and they were like, oh, Iverson. I was like, get, like get the fuck out of my face. Like he's not comparable to like Griffey and all these other like crazy awesome Hall of Fame type people because people forget, especially that didn't watch or remember NBA at this time, Iverson was nowhere to be found in well for Denver for most of the career. He uh, In Memphis, he was gone. Couldn't He was begging True. teams for a job. And, it, and it, it's a sad thing because it mainly was because he took such a beating and a pounding from the way he played, being such a small guy and he's flying towards the rim. And he was just landing hard. It was still that time in the NBA where people were punishing you for attacking the basket. Well, let's be fair, though, too. Iverson was also someone who did not take care of his body. No. He was a polar opposite of, in a lot of ways, Kobe or Duncan in terms of looking at it from a long-term longevity standpoint and listening to coaches and trainers. Oh, practice? Yeah. You're talking about practice? Yeah, exactly. Not the game. Uh, yeah, not, not the game. Practice. Oh my God. But we talk about practice. I remember watching that live, <laughs> and I couldn't stop laughing. And I didn't. I, I didn't have like a DVR or anything. And I was just like, I just want to hear Iverson talk about that over and over. Not and over the again. game. Not what actually goes on in the game. Practice. practice. Talking yes. about practice. I love that. That's he, that's one of my favorite like all time quotes. It's like that and like straight cash, homie, <laughs> or like something like. My, I can. I, I'm gonna have to put together a list. Maybe on like on our Black and Black Dies Infinity podcast. It's like great fucking quotes. Yeah. Like I know those two will definitely well, be on there. For me, it's always gonna be that. Uh, what was it Jim Bora? 
Playoffs? Playoffs? Anyway, with Iverson, uh, he had all hard. He wasn't very coachable, even with Larry Brown. Yeah. You know. Oh, jeez, um, jeez, yeah. Beef with him. But I think he, he understood the game quite a bit. He understood that he was faster and able to get to the rim anytime he fucking wanted to. Yeah. And I don't think that Larry Brown appreciated just how once in a generation magnificent he was when it came to the game of I'm, basketball. I'm not a Larry Brown fan at all, personally. He didn't know what to do with it. It's... If you have a, a talent like that, like you need to sort of bend the rules around your system. Like you you need to adapt, especially yeah. when you're you're going to this athletic, crazy athletic point guard. Well, you know what also was funny that he doesn't get the credit for. Um, I was actually changed the uh, NBA fashion. I was about to say that I was waiting. To, I was getting ready so. to say that he's the reason why these people have to go up in suits and stuff <laughs> on a podium. And now these players are like kind of like bucking back by like dressing like a fucking donkey, yeah, like, yeah. like Russell Westbrook and everything, because they are like, all right, you can't wear any chains and blah blah blah, this that whatever. Which I Iverson would wear, and I'm not fucking kidding with y'all, a do rag, sideways hat, a sideways hat. And fucking jeans yeah. and his own kicks and look like somebody slanging on the corner was, yeah. in an NBA interview and would give zero <laughs> fucks. The other great. thing, and this was controversial at the time, and right now it sounds so ridiculous to younger folks listening, but he was the first one who was a superstar who said, fuck what you're talking about. I'm going to get tatted up every day, son. <laughs> I'm going to get tatted up all up and down these arms. Oh, you, want me on, man. you want me in your Gatorade commercial? Fuck you, I got tats. Yeah. And at the time, people were like, I don't know what to do with this. My kid likes this guy with tats and cornrows, and he's the best player in the league. This is a problem. <laughs> I'm sure David Stern had an ulcer. Like, how are we going to sell this internationally? I'm trying to think to of, people. like, any older, like, old-school basketball people that even had tattoos. Like, I know Shaq had his little Superman thing, but that was just one. But nothing to that extent. No. Where it Rodman, was sleeves. Rodman, yes. Rodman had got more and more tattoos mm. from the San Antonio days onward. Yeah. Well, I thought he had them with Chicago. He had yeah, them with well, Chicago. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. San Antonio was before Chicago for him. Remember? Because Rodman... Kick, no, he kicked the reporter when he went... We went from he went from Detroit, Detroit, somewhere else, San Antonio, and then went to the the three peating. Uh, How Jordan long lived he with San San Antonio for? Probably in the early nine ninety three, ninety four, ninety five area, somewhere in there. But when he got in all when he got in all that trouble and shit, that was with. It's when some he of kicked, that was with San Antonio. Okay, yeah, some I of think that was when with he, San okay. But all all that being said, obviously Rodman was not one of the faces of the league. No, you no. know. Um, Nobody looked the way Allen Iverson no. did, and he scared the shit out of people. Yeah. And he, again, like Stitch said, he is the reason why you see suits yeah. on the bench. When you're injured, you're still in a fucking suit. Even his his counterpart, uh, and a lot of people, he was one of my favorites, uh, Stephon Marbury. Yeah, he was God. another one that was tatted up yeah, and everything. Yeah. But it was only because, because Iverson made it cool and yeah. acceptable to be like, this is me Fuck y'all. Yeah, and I, I think uh, definitely with basketball, more so than with any of the other sports, 
you it's easily it's it's more easy to see the actual face of of who it is that you're rooting for. Yeah, there's no helmet. There's no helmet in the way. Even no with, hat. Yeah, no and no hat with baseball. It's everything. You see that person's entire face. You can recognize them. That's why basketball <clears throat> players are easily the most recognizable athletes. Yes. Uh, in the world and everything, because obviously they're they're tall as fuck, and you're used to seeing that face. You're like, I recognize that face. Oh yeah, I see it every time when I turn on the TV. This is Jordan. This is. Yeah, well, I mean, Yao Ming is Yao Ming. You yeah. know Yao Ming, but uh, it, they're just recognizable faces. And uh, I think definitely uh, he might have be interesting to get his his thoughts on that and everything. And I'm sure now that he uh, just got uh, elected to the Hall of Fame, to sort of hear him reflect back on his career and maybe talk about like some of the things that he did back in the day. If he's got maybe a different aspect or a different uh, perspective, perspective uh, being older than when it. Uh, when he was doing this stuff back in the day, because I'm sure even at the time he'd be like, "Yeah, I did it. So what?" But yeah. Now that he's been out of the league for a little bit, and he's maybe calmed down or anything. It'd be, it'd be interesting to hear his, his thoughts on uh, on the NBA. And, and he's doing stuff. a lot of interviews lately, so we'll have to pull some of those up and get some quotes from him. Yeah. But for me, what I also remember is I had never seen like a sleeve yeah. unless you were injured. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you may have worn a quote unquote yeah. brace around your elbow. He wore a full, that nylon, full body or... nylon sleeve, which you see a lot in the NBA now, but you didn't then. And the only reason was a compromise with David Stern to say, you're the face of the league, and how am I going to sell <laughs> you know, TV rights to people in the middle of the country when you are tatted up to your fucking yeah. uh, eyebrows and shit? Yeah. You know? His shoe was more popular than Shaq's for oh, Reebok. Oh, absolutely. The and ones? Or, absolutely. Yeah, the a, uh, the answers, answers. Yeah. You know? But anyway, I still give the nod to Steph because of the range. That's not taking away anything. I think Iverson was a better defender in terms of uh, he, he used his quickness quite a bit on, from a defensive standpoint. Now, Steph is no slouch defensively. I think he no. gets a lot of heat. I, he's like top two, three in steals, if not in the league. He was number one in the league okay. in steals this past year. That's I thought he was. And everybody wants to ignore that. But number one of the league in steals, and you're gonna, and some people are gonna say, well, if you watch the games, he plays the passing lanes. Well, you, you're still it just is the equivalent of an interception in football yeah. still. If you're playing the passing lanes, you're creating a turnover. Yeah. As, so yeah. that that's the that's actually better than a block and yeah. better than a, a rebound in a lot of ways. Yeah. Because you're creating a turnover that can instantly lead to points, fast break exactly. points. Fast so, fast. yeah. Don't discredit steals when it comes to uh, defensive effort. Uh, not to discredit the comparison, I think uh, probably a more accurate uh, comparison or a, a question or face-off would have been Curry versus Nash. I think that would have been an interesting comparison. Uh, maybe we'll have to do that on a, on a different episode and everything, where we uh, sort of research and, and maybe think about it. But and I, Nash won two MVPs. I hate. I hated Steve Nash. I hated him. Just he would aggravate the shit out of me. I loved watching San Antonio send him flying into the scorer's table. That made me absolutely delightful and everything. And I loved when Kobe fucking put his balls on his face on that that uh, infamous dunk uh, where they ended up. Kobe ended up bringing the Lakers back uh, in that game where they were down by like nine with like a minute left or some shit like that. He hated Phoenix because they beat him. Oh. Once Shaq left, he lost to them twice yeah. in the first round yeah. of the playoffs. And Roger Bell and all those fucking clowns. Um, but I think that would be a good comparison is Nash and Curry. I think they're very comparable in a lot of ways. I, I think you're you're right. Again, Nash did win two MVPs. And really just to give credit to him, he had a longer career than anybody thought possible. And he was more productive later on 
than almost any point guard I can think of with the exception of like a John Stockton or something like that. And I think that, you know, uh, people tend to throw shade mostly because of his color. Let's just be real. You know, he's a white, white point guard uh, in a very... Canadian. Yeah, Canadian point guard in a very black league. Uh, I don't think that is relevant at all. I think he could shoot the fucking lights out. Yeah. I think he was a true point guard. He created his own shot. Created his own he shot. He could catch off the dribble. He, he'd I mean, give you 12 plus assists per game. Yeah. You know what I mean? And for someone who was always undersized, he played hard. Yeah. You know what I mean? Now, he's not going to give you a whole bunch of rebounds, um, but he's not going to, uh, he's going to have very few turnovers. He's going to give you 15 points. He's going to give you, or, or better, and he's going to give you 12 plus assists. And shoot a very high percentage from both three-point yeah. and field goal percentage. Yeah. He gave teams nightmares. Lots and lots of matchup problems. And he was just quick. Could shoot. He's a great free-throw shooter. Another thing that people uh, sort of gloss over. I mean, Curry's a great free-throw. I think Curry leads the league in free-throw percentage. Yep. Nash was the same way. And uh, I think that's a quality in point guards that is, it should should be automatic. But I think a lot of people gloss over and. Well, it's for me. It's a quality for for pro basketball players. You know what I mean? I, now, I'm not saying you have to be 90 plus percent per se, because I know only the elite of the elite will do that. Mm-hmm. But you better give me at least 77 plus percent. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm talking all kinds of shit about you. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're a professional basketball player. You've been doing it since elementary school, literally. Yeah. You know, day in day out, this, this is something you should be able to do. Yeah. Easily. To the equivalent of. Being a field goal kicker in, in football. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's what you do. You, yeah. You shoot, you know? So, yeah, I don't want to hear any excuses. So, let us know what you guys think. Um, uh, definitely. We'll, we'll give our uh, Twitter handles maybe towards uh, yeah. the back end of this because we're still figuring stuff out. What do you think about defenders? Because that doesn't get enough credit when it comes to. Uh, basketball, and obviously we're focusing more on the NBA than anything else, mm-hmm. but who are some of your top defenders of all time? Oh, man. And I, I mean, like I said before in the beginning, I played basketball, and uh, I, I love playing defense. Defense was my thing. Like, yeah. I wanted to be on the best player. I had a lot of energy. I was fast. I'll run around, and I'll, I'll stop this person from scoring. And so... I always had a lot of respect for the de- the defensive aspect of things. Like people like fucking James Harden. I can't. I just it just <laughs> I, it blows my mind. He, he just shows no effort on defense. The so. Matador. Yeah, <laughs> doing crazy reach around moves and stuff like that. Um, obviously Gary Payton comes to mind. Um, he really, uh, as a point guard, made defense popular. It made it fun um, and everything. Him being the glove. Him slapping the the hardwood when the when the guys come up the court and everything it's just stuff like that that I really appreciate and just, it's it's always good to see because when you're when you're shutting somebody down that's really good and you can see that you're frustrating and then especially if you're able to talk some shit yeah. and get beat them physically and sure. now you're you're starting to de- defeat them mentally that it's game over you're you're in their head you're messing with them and that's something that. Uh, doesn't a lot of people don't do because they they want to be sort of a whole sportsman and 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 sort of not come off as as the asshole basketball player. But I think you're out here to win, just like I'm out here to win. If yeah. if we can be cool off the court and everything, but I'm trying to make you miss this shot. I'm trying to make you 
kick this ball out of bounds or dribble off your foot and everything. And I think Gary Payton was uh, definitely a, a master at that. Obviously, uh, Matumbo we talked about before with his, his finger. No, 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 no. Um, <laughs> yeah, he was great. Um, and he wasn't afraid to get dunked on. He, he would get dunked on a lot, but he was blocking a, a hell of a lot of shots and everything from uh, people. When he did get dunked on, that was someone else's like career highlight. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, yeah, they would wag the finger at him because they know they got they got over. Yeah, him. I mean, but that would be like, hey, I accomplished something, right? And he would tip his hat, you know, and yeah. be like, I- I'll get the next one, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and it, it, a lot of it, it's as I as I became more of a basketball fan later on, especially with Kobe, where it's like, all right, I'm seeing these top defenders go against him. It's like, fuck. So I, people like like Bruce Bowen would would aggravate that the hell out of me. Even um, uh, uh, the guy from Duke, uh, he's a commentator, light skinned guy. Um, he was played for Houston, uh, Battier. Oh, Shane Battier used to drive me nuts. But I he would always put the hand like right in his like oh, yeah. eye yeah, and everything, and he would. He would use great defender. So, I, on Miami, he was good. He yeah, was, even when he was older. You yeah, know? yeah. There, Miami at Memphis. Uh, he he was a really great defender. Um, and I I enjoy uh, I I just enjoy all aspects of of defense from from even uh from being a center to a point guard. For me, um, let me jump in here. I'm going to say that Dennis Rodman. Oh yeah, of course. Was the mastermind of playing all types of defense and. You know, take your Draymond Green from today and just multiply that by 10. And that that's what Rodman really was throughout yeah. the late 80s and 90s. He was a force to be reckoned with where you would put, this was the league of big men. And, you know, he would guard your Carl Malone. Yeah. He would guard your Charles Barkley. He would guard anybody you wanted to put him on, whether undersized, faster and undersized or yeah. bigger and stronger. And he would get into their fucking heads. Even between those two... Uh players you have uh someone like ron artest who's also a great defender uh with houston sacramento indiana um not only going up in the stands and punching people in the face but <laughs> but uh he was he was great on the court uh he would he would take the best defender he would he would give them fits he was he was real big and stocky so he he had no problem going down low he'd muscle you around he he was had really good lateral movement which someone that big i think that's what a lot of times people don't give credit to or don't pay attention with on defense is you have, you have to have really quick feet. You have to keep them in front of you because uh, if you're if you're watching the guy go by, if the guy gets the first step, it, you're going to foul him and then it defeats the whole purpose of playing defense. And uh, Artest always had really great feet and he just seemed to have like a really long wingspan where, where even if like he did sort of maybe get crossed over, his arms were so long where he could get back and 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 block off the route to the basket. He was also incredibly intimidating to a lot oh, of, of people. Of course, yes. He's so fucking nuts. He's crazy. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna give credit to Alonzo Mourning as well. Yeah. I mean, this was someone who was actually undersized to play the position mm-hmm. of center. Yeah. And just had all fucking heart and muscle and mm-hmm. tenacity. And he's an ox. Yeah, I mean, he was just a beast, you know, with Miami and mm-hmm. obviously with Charlotte before that. Um, so. Defense is so important. I mean, you you still have the entire Detroit Pistons bad boy back to back club that uh, you yeah. could say defensively was ridiculous, and of course, uh, I would say the eighties um, uh, Boston Celtics as well. You know, with Bird and uh, um, you had uh, Dennis Johnson, Dennis Johnson, Mikael, yeah. uh, Ainge, all those people. Yeah, they, they played some good. They played some good D. You know, um, 
But yeah, defense is something that doesn't get a whole lot of attention in this no. league for some reason. No. People just uh, want to shoot and, and be on the sports center highlight and then yeah. crossing over doing the and one mixtape move, yeah. uh, passing it behind the back and, and dunking or doing some crazy uh, cross up, pause for the moment and pull up for three. Yeah. And forget the actual hard work defense aspect of the thing. Well, and let's be clear too. Uh, even though their offensive game greatly outshines everything else, both Kobe and Jordan played serious defense. Yeah. You know, first team all NBA defensive squad year after year after year after year. Playing defense is a mindset. Like, you have to be able to lock down the other person and want to. You don't want to shy away from the match and be like, oh, well, he's the point guard, I'm the point guard, I'm just going to stay on him. Like, no. <laughs> Well, and the other thing that gets lost is you have to take it personally. You know what I mean? Yes. And it has to be a, oh, this guy is heating up. Mm-hmm. Let me help out my teammate and I'm going to switch up. Yeah. Switch up. I'm going to guard this person. Right. You know what I mean? And you take it personal and you lock down that person. And, you know, you don't let them score anymore in that game or you create turnovers or whatever the fuck it is. But you don't even switch out. You fight yeah. through screens, you know. Yeah. And you're even if they're able to get a good shot off, it's always going to be contested. Yeah, you know what I mean with boards and blocks and steals and rebounds. So yeah, yeah. anyway, defense is important to us. Yeah. We love it. Best handles ever. Ooh, wow! Best handles ever. Um, I'm going to I'll think of this, but one of the people that came across my mind is somebody and somebody I used to always kind of want to be in certain ways was uh, Tim Hardaway. Oh, uh, UTEP two-step. He had that, that killer crossover, and I I enjoyed watching him play. He was he was one of my favorites to watch, even though he's a warrior um, growing up. And I I loved watching him play, especially with the heat. He was he was so much fun to watch. Um, but he would cross over people and, and dribble and do do all kinds of amazing stuff. Um, now nowadays, obviously, stuff's a lot fancier and more creative in terms of crossing crossing people up and and stuff. But uh, Tim Hardaway always stuck out to me uh, off the top of my head as somebody that could uh, do whatever he wanted to do. I, I'll I'll combo that with somebody who had great ball handling skills and could also pass extremely well was Jason Kidd. He was another one that uh, I really, really liked watching play. Um, he was another triple-double machine. I couldn't really shoot. Couldn't it, shoot for shit. No. He, he got better as the years went on. He improved. He worked on it. Yes. Um, but in terms of, of... And he could rebound. In terms of facilitating people, like, nobody... There's nobody else I would rather have on a fast break with a person on the left and right than Jason. Like, he will, he would do some Magic Johnson-type stuff in terms he of a monitor. too. Yeah. He would, he would be one of the league leaders in steals every year. All right, I got somebody for you. Okay. I am not, I repeat, not endorsing any other aspect of this player's game oh, whatsoever. Boy. But when you talk about handles, I'm going to talk about white chocolate. Oh, Jason, Jason Williams from the Sacramento <laughs> Kings. Okay, now I know for these young folks, oh, you probably man. forgot. But what used to happen with this fool is... Nobody gave two fucking shits about Sacramento. <laughs> this is just... I'm talking about even before Weber got there yeah. with Sacramento. Weber was still in uh, Washington, D.C. with the Bullets. Yeah. Not Wizards, but yeah, the Bullets. bullets. Um, and uh, I think I was uh, on the East Coast, maybe in college or something, when I would stay up late with SportsCenter to, for the Sacramento Kings highlights just to see this guy. He put the Kings 
on the map. They were crazy. A lot crazy. of people didn't realize the Kings were in the league or they, Sacramento had a team. Nobody knew, knew where Sacramento was on the East no. Coast. Let's just be honest. It's true. They were like, there's another team that plays basketball in California besides the Lakers? <laughs> Literally, that was that was the, the thinking. Yeah. And he put the team on, on the map. It was a shitty team. And all of a sudden, this white boy, point guard, came out of nowhere and decided... I'm going to put on a fucking show when it comes to dribbling. Yeah, I think, um, I'm not sure if, I know that him and Randy Moss went to the same high school they together did. in uh, West Virginia. I, yeah. I can't remember where he actually went to school at. It was Marshall, I believe. I, did, I, I wasn't sure if he, he also went to Marshall as I well. Don't quote me, let me check. But uh, he was insane, and he would run, and he, I remember there was one, he like did it around the back with maybe his left hand, and somehow he got it to ricochet off his like right elbow, elbow yes. to go back to the left. So it was like I was like, how the fuck did he do that? Like in I, a game, in a game on a fast break, just dribbling with his left around the back, like he's passing it to the right, just ri- hit through the elbow, out ricocheted it, and went right to the to the dude on the left. It, it was insane, blew my blew my mind. And yeah. he, that that was just like the tip of the iceberg because he was doing all kinds of other crazy stuff. And he was doing it night in, night out. Now. He would still shoot 36% from the field. <laughs> yeah. He would still have seven turnovers a night. Yeah. He would still, you know, <laughs> give you a fit as a coach, yeah. basically, on with dumb shit. Like, he, he was street ball. Yeah, he was street ball, no defense, um, streaky as hell yeah. when, the, when it came to shooting. But god damn it, he was entertaining. Boy, <laughs> triple his ass he was off. entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I forgot about white chocolate. He yeah. was entertaining as hell. He was so yeah, great. I missed, I missed that. I'm going to have to watch some of those highlights. Yeah, exactly. Go on YouTube, y'all. We encourage you yeah. uh, to make that happen. I mean, that's, that's what I say. In terms of handles, I'm always going to think of him. Obviously, Iverson gets a lot of attention. Yeah. You know, um, uh, there are other players. You always think of guards, you know. I think even uh, in his earlier days, like when he was with Seattle, I think Ray Allen had a hell of a game, too. Before, yes. We always think about his older yeah. career, but when he was with Seattle or Milwaukee, yeah, Milwaukee, yeah. he would set up his own shot pretty well with some yeah. excellent, efficient dribbling. Yeah, he was. But yeah, um, that's uh, that's my pick. And then um, we already talked about shooters uh, uh, quite a bit. We, I think, we both have Steph. Steph's the greatest shooter I've ever seen. All right, uh, I love I love watching Reggie Miller hit some some shots. If I need one shot to win the game, I'm still taking Kobe, though. Okay. But in terms of the best shooter, bar none, it's it's Steph. Yeah. But I, in terms of who I want to take the shot, I, I got to have Kobe. Offensively, um, I agree with you. I, I guess and we should get into this really quickly. With Kobe, I like the fact that he embraced wanting to be that guy. I like the fact that he didn't mind playing the role of the villain. I feel that he had a whole lot of Terrell Owens in him when it came to teammates and coaches. And my my biggest example, and this is this is not just me throwing shade out of nowhere just for the sake of it, but what really is a turnoff to me when it comes to him from a personality standpoint, not a basketball standpoint per se, was what he did with Smush Parker. Now, Smush Parker, for them, some folks who say, I've been a Laker fan for forever and, and I know everything. If you don't know who Smush Parker is, 
Please take a seat and, and don't ever talk to me about being a Laker fan. Smush Parker is somewhere working at the convenience store right now. Smush Parker has been out of the league <laughs> for seven, eight plus years. He's not. He wasn't good. He wasn't. <laughs> that's not neither here nor there. But you're right. He was a shit point guard when I think it was the years when he didn't have Derek Fisher or maybe Fisher was on the bench. I can't quite recall. Maybe Fisher, Fisher, Fisher I think gone. Fisher was in Utah. Yeah. Fisher was in Utah for maybe like two years, two, Something three years. Something like that. And then he played with the Warriors too, didn't he? Fish? Yeah, he yeah. did. He went with the Warriors and then he went to Utah and then something happened with with his, his kid and he they made a trade for him to get back to... Yeah. Yeah. All that, that being said, Smoosh Parker was a shit point guard. Um, and Kobe would dog the fuck out of him during the games. Rightly so. You know, you got a Hall of Famer and then a shit point guard. Who's going to win? Hall of Famer. Yeah. Every single time. My problem with Kobe, though, was after Derek Fisher came back and Smush was either out of the league or way on the bench, years go by, and all I do is hear this Hall of Fame player talking shit, naming his name about how much he hates and despises and how Smush ain't shit... There was such overkill. It was literally like taking a bazooka <laughs> to a housefly. I have no issue with that. <laughs> that was so, it was just uncalled for. I have no issue with that. I it, Everyone's got like a co-worker that they can't fucking stand and they wish it would be fucking gone. When, when they are gone and it's been eight years later though, do you still have to talk about I, them I, like that? I don't know what was going on in that locker room. <laughs> <laughs> None of us knows how bad Smush Parker was except Kobe and those people there. Nobody else is going to defend Smush Parker, so maybe Kobe Bryant's got some validity. But you realize that nobody else, literally nobody else in the Lakers organization has said the words Smush Parker except for Kobe. Kobe brings it up not when asked. Hey, what do you think about Swiss Parker from those 06, 07 years? No, Kobe goes out of his way. Yeah, I know I'm retiring, and I want to tell you about the Lakers' legacy, but fuck Swiss Parker. But I, really? I got no issue with really? that. Leave Swiss alone. <laughs> Hall of Fame basketball Sometimes you player. need to let people know. You just need to let, in case somebody else, I don't know what Swiss Parker <laughs> did, but whatever he did, nobody will do it again. That, and it seems so to be the thing. You know, I mean, that personality, or because if because if you think about it, could could Swaggy P have been worse of a teammate than, than Smush Parker? Probably, but whatever Smush Parker did, Swaggy P knows not to do it. You you think you put this still on Smush? I think it tells a whole lot more about Kobe than it does about did, Smush. Did he, did he punch him in the face like Jordan did Kerr reportedly in his oh, book? But yeah, yeah oh yeah. we 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 could talk about him, but. <laughs> Okay, we we gonna listen, lay hands on on the teammate. Listen, the real deal is Jordan was wrong for that. Um, Has Jordan apologized for it? Nah, you oh, ain't yeah. gonna get oh, Jordan of course to apologize. Not. You're right, <laughs> but Jordan also didn't. If Jordan came out ten years after those championship years and said, "You know what, Kerr ain't shit. Fuck that motherfucker." I wasn't asking you, Jordan, about Steve Kerr per se. But okay, oh, we, go, we are going to have. A, I'm going to have a roast fest on crying meme face <laughs> on everything that I I have. They, I, like I'm going to bring out like a like a lawyer fucking briefcase, and I'm just going to flip pages on a portfolio, di- a portfolio of, of shit that I have with fucking Michael Jordan fucking from his Hall of Fame speech to him, even when he's when he's giving Kobe his goodbye and stuff like that. Let me give you some of my shoes. Yeah, like, yeah. get the fuck. 
fuck out of here. Like, kind of fucking. He, he, he literally is the biggest, he was the biggest shit talker. And he's petty as fuck. He's, I mean, yeah. even in, you're right, in his uh, Hall of Fame speech, it was like, you know, even though I'm 50 years old, I still beat every single one of you motherfuckers. And if asked to do so again in the league, I'll go right back in there and tear y'all up. I, I mean, he said, I mean, we'll have to get the exact quote. Yeah, no, but yeah, no, yeah. along those fucking lines of I could still do it at 50 and age isn't shit and y'all ain't shit because I'm Jordan. Yeah. You're, you're, you're right. It's ridiculous. That level of ego, I don't know if we'll ever see it again. I don't. Well, I mean, if you have a, if you have an issue with Kobe talking shit on Smush Parker, then how are you going to give Jordan a pass at his own Hall of Fame speech, yeah, throwing shade at everybody? That, that was cold. You're right. Nah, was, I mean, touche. Yeah. You know, they they both have a. It's not even alpha, alpha dog kind of mentality. It's like or alpha male kind of mentality. It's like uber. Fuck everybody. <laughs> but the one thing I'll give Jordan credit for, and you may disagree, I think that he made a lot of his teammates better. Right. And when you ask them about it, they always defer and say, I'm a better player because of playing with Jordan, including Pippen, including Kerr, including, you know, Ku Coach. I wouldn't have been the player I was in the NBA if not for Jordan. Well, I think all star athletes have that effect. Obviously, Ooh. to go back to even Magic Johnson, Magic Johnson made Michael Cooper, Byron Scott, uh, it, it, better, 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 much much better players than they would ha- would have been. Um, in terms of X's and, and O's, how the Bulls ran their offense, I mean, BJ, uh, they they seem like they had a lot of sort of spot up shooters that would, if left open, they would hit the shot. Kerr, Kerr BJ Armstrong. Uh, I mean, Kukoc could hit a shot, but Kukoc was also multidimensional as well. Um, so I, I, in, everyone makes, if you're a good player, you're supposed to make the other ones around you better. If not, I don't, you're not winning the game. I mean, you'll, you can get, but so far like with Iverson, but in terms of actually winning the game, and I think that's a, uh, uh, a problem that LeBron has actually had before. He's he's had these superstars around him when he was bringing Cleveland to the uh, to the championship, and it was just mainly on his back. He, it was sort of doing to the finals. Seen, to the finals, yeah. yeah. yeah sorry, um, not not when he won, but yeah, when he uh, when he was with Cleveland and they were lost to I think uh, San Antonio. Yep. It, it was just him out there, and he needed the. I mean, he had uh, I can't think of that old egghead's name or whatever, but he had uh, like uh, Williams. Uh, and, and all these like Mo Williams. Mo Williams, yeah, he, he had all these other sort of no name people that couldn't Scruffs. really do anything. Let's just call them what they yeah, are. but Kobe, like, Kobe did make people around him better. Like Sasha Vujacic is, it'd be a pop quiz to ask somebody what team is Sasha Vujacic on. Where's Jordan Farmar? Tre- Trevor Ariza got a, a nice contract. Shannon Brown got a nice contract after leaving Lakers because it's like, oh, this, this guy's great. He's an athlete. He's a nice role player. He could he can finish. And then they go to these other places off to these big contracts and they're really not to be they're become like third option Ariza's have probably the best of that bunch but you're yeah, right yeah Ariza, Ariza definitely has been the most successful of that but not to where what they thought they were getting for yeah. for what they paid for true and I, I definitely think uh, I mean Jordan Jordan did it Kobe's done it with his people uh I mean Derek Fisher Derek Fisher wouldn't wouldn't have any rings Derek Fisher was a a uh, an average, <laughs> yeah, an average point guard. I mean, he did what he needed to do. He could hit the open shot just like how B.J. Armstrong could hit the, the open shot, just how Steve Kerr could hit the open shot. 
uh, whenever he needed to, and he was wide open. But Derek Fisher wasn't wasn't crossing up people, driving to the hoop or anything. Uh, That's true. But I, I definitely think Kobe uh, was a big part of that. Even um, people like uh, I mean, Ori sort of did his own. Ori hit his his shots, no matter where he where he was at. Um, but I, I definitely think Kobe helped out with what you said with getting other people involved in, in especially their title runs. I mean, uh, Paul, Paul Gasol was, was obviously an all-star player before he got to play with Kobe. Shaq was an all-star and is an all-star Hall of Fame player before he got to play with Kobe. But you still, you can put all these pieces together, but they still need to mesh. And I, I think what Kobe should get a lot of credit for is he won't let people become lazy. And I think that was the big issue that went down with Shaq. And I definitely think it's a reason why we don't see or and haven't heard of Andrew Bynum since he left Los Angeles. Very lazy. Yeah, he was an extremely lazy big man. Um, and it, it, even if, more recently, uh, well, before even transition to that, but Bynum was a, was a big man when he wanted to play. And when he was motivated and he got up for a game, he was he was a force. He was frustrating Shaq even when they would go head-to-head. He, he was handling up against Dwight Howard and everything. Yep. He, he became lazy. He had got the big man-itis. And he left town. He, he got traded to Philly or assigned with Philly. I don't even know if he played a game over there. And he yep. watched out of the league. And even with Dwight Howard when he got to L.A., and Dwight Howard's lazy in that aspect, and him and Kobe could not get along at all. And that's True. even when they play each other, you, there's that that sort of a meme or a video clip where he's Kobe's just calling him soft and everything to his face. He's like soft, you're soft, and everything when when he's trying to challenge people. But I, I think if you aren't there to put in a hundred percent of your work while you're on the court with Kobe, he will call you out on that, and he will. Make your life a living nightmare if you are showing up to work not giving 110% and putting in the work that he is doing. Even though you might not be as good as he is. And he knows that these Jordan Farmer wasn't going to be winning games, but they put in work. Yes. And if you're, if you're not there to work on Kobe's, when Kobe's out there, he's going to let you know. He's going to chew you out. He's going to get in your face. And he's going to be an asshole. And he doesn't need for We're not here to be friends. We're here to win. put up, put up these banners. Yeah. My issue, though, uh, and I, I, I hear where you're coming from. My issue, though, is it was over, it was definitely overkill with Smush. Like, <laughs> eight years after. Are you related to Smush Parker? Yeah, I, I must don't be. Know. I must be. Um, but then also, you know, on the teams that weren't playoff teams or, or weren't anywhere close to championship caliber teams, you know, some of the tirades in practice, oh. you know, from a few years. Now, yes, some bad yes, teams. Yes, and yes, Jordan had, had done some of those, too, but... Um, I yeah. feel like oftentimes when it's already a bad team and your confidence is this high, and you're not the fucking coach, and, and, and people know that it, this isn't a, a championship caliber team or even close to maybe not even a playoff caliber team, some of it uh, goes so overboard with your your fire. And I know there's no dial for it. It's on or yeah. off for him that I'm positive it did not improve things. But you had well, you had Smush Parker, you also had Kwame Brown oh, on that yeah. team who yeah. supposed was supposed uh, to be draft pick, Jordan, right? yeah, Jordan's <laughs> yeah, crying <laughs> memes first pick as an owner. Um 
but somebody who's supposed to have this great talent but just can't put it together yeah. with, with whatever team. And we uh, with basketball, it's, it's very interesting because you see a lot of these players come out that are supremely talented in college, even talented in high school before that, and they get to the pros, and it's like they don't understand that, like, okay, I was the best person when, in this city that I was at and even at this college with these 12 kids. But now I'm in a league where I'm just an average dude, and I'm not getting by my talent alone. It's, I can't just leave practice and uh, as soon as, as practice is done, go home and, and get on Xbox and just play all day and then wake up and dominate these people again. It's like they're not willing to put in the work. And I I think Kobe does a great job of calling people out on that. And and uh, it, it, even with, with people like, uh, I think it was Anthony, Anthony Bennett, the guy from UNLV, uh, came out maybe two years ago. He's... Damn near out the league. Michael Beasley is another one, even though he's sort of got the whole drug issue thing going on. But a lot of these first-round picks, and especially you see it a lot with basketball more so than uh, I would say with football. um, It's just they they can't mentally grasp the game of of the X and O's aspect of it and also the the practice and the, the work that needs to go in continuously to get better at your craft. Well, it's also this. It's also time management because you're a professional. Basketball yes. is actually your livelihood. And I'm going to give credit to someone we have mentioned very few times on this initial cast, and that's LeBron James. Now, he's a polarizing figure, uh, maybe just as polarizing as Kobe and Jordan uh, to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Um Minus the fact that, you know, obviously both of them have multiple championships. And, and LeBron has multiple championships, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, just not as many. Um, I think people need to give a little bit more credit when it comes to LeBron for prior to his championship years, all we heard for a decade was super big choker, fake, fraud, uh, winless, uh crownless king and, and stuff like that. You know, I, I, you remember all of the, uh, you yeah. know, the king without a crown, can't win, can't win, can't win for a decade or nine years, whatever Some of it's it was. not his fault, but I'll let you keep going with it. Yeah. Some of, granted, for whatever reason, I'm just talking about the internet haze of basketball, you know, was saying he couldn't do it. Well, yeah, I, I think... I think with LeBron, it is a, it's a special case because nobody really knew anything about LeBron until the media and Sports Illustrated and ESPN said, this guy is going to be the best thing you've ever seen. He's the best. He's this, that. Before, before we even had seen him play, I mean, everyone's saying this is going to be the most transition. The, well, he's going to change the entire game. And I, I think when, when someone tells you something so much of like, you know, this this is great. This is the best thing ever. It's you sort of after you get oversaturated with it, you start to resent it. It's like I'm tired of you telling me this dude's the best ever. Like I'll, how about I judge for myself when I see it? Like like how I did with you and follow. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, well, but that's that's but, for a different cast. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I think that whole aspect sort of rubbed people the wrong way. Initially with LeBron. Well, remember he was on sports. He was on ESPN. They were playing his high school game. His high school that had never games, happened before. His high school games. Then you had in the high school championship game, he was ruled ineligible because he his mom got a Hummer or he got a he got a vehicle. So that a sexual thing? No, nah, okay. <laughs> the, the actual vehicle. Which a lot of people are like, come on, like this seventeen year old kid at high school is getting 
all this money thrown to him under the table. Like that's that's going to get a lot of resentment, especially from white America that. If you got a kid who's just playing a, a sport, a game, yeah. and all you're going to tell me like he hasn't—he's he, not even an adult—and all of a sudden his family's getting all this money, and and they're just flaunting his face over like he's some national hero. While well, I got to go slave at my nine to five job, forty hours making whatever it is, and put food on my plate, blah blah blah. So you are, you already have that sort of aspect uh, going against him from from certain demographics and certain uh, sort of classes of people where they they don't want to see that. Um, I think. There's been sort of key moments in his career where that have kind of blown up in his face. Uh, one of which was, and I didn't mind it. I actually thought it was great. Was uh, I think it was after he lost to the Spurs. The um, I think it was like the exit interview or something at the podium. Uh, they were asking. The first time or the last time? I think it was, a, it was. I'm pretty sure it was the first one. Okay, still. Or I could I could be wrong, but uh, okay. It was one of the ones when I, he lost with Cleveland, and they were asking him about how he's going to take the loss. He's like, I'm going to be fine. He's like, I wake up every day as LeBron James or whatever, sort of throwing shade to like all the people that, or always like, well, what, when this person says, oh, you couldn't accomplish this, he's like, I'm still LeBron James. I wake yep. up every morning. And I got this amount of money in my bank account, et cetera, et cetera. And I was like, "Oh snap!" Yeah, and I thought I thought it was great because that's probably something I would say, but yeah. something a lot people of people don't want to hear. And I think also how he handled the decision aspect of it. I think that was kind of sort of douchey in a, in a way, and and it could have probably been done better. But that maybe you can go by who he was listening to. The his circle of friends might have orchestrated that, and he just sort of went along with it. Um, but they're, they're, everyone's every athlete has made certain mistakes in his career that Jordan with his whole Republican buy shoes to and everything. People had some kickback on that. Wasn't that was that after his career or I can't remember if that was that the Wizard. I years? can't. I can't, I can't remember exactly. We'll but but all, all big athletes have had little hiccups in the road where they've done some things where maybe they could have handled certain certain interactions differently. I'm and gonna I'm gonna say this though with LeBron. You're right. All athletes have the hiccups. I think for having the spotlight on him from age 17, literally the national, maybe even the global spotlight on him from age 17 till now, he's 31. um, He's had very few, with the exception of the decision, which he went to play basketball on a better team, on a better franchise that wanted to win championships and put talent around him. Oh, no. He, he, now, maybe it was an arrogant way that he left Cleveland, but Cleveland is a shit-fucking franchise. Don't yeah. ever get that twisted, yeah. America. Yeah. Cleveland's highlights include Jordan hitting shots over Craig Elo yeah. and like but, Larry Nance. But all that's by design, and it's not old small market. No, San Antonio's a small market, and it ain't fucking Cleveland yeah. when it comes to uh, the embodiment of trying to put together championship teams and winning and talent and all of that stuff. It takes work yeah. and effort, and that... Ownership and coaches and executives in Cleveland didn't give two fucks about anything close to no. let's try to put together a quality team for him. Yeah, um, they 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 truly didn't, and he left rightly so and became a better player going to Miami yeah. and playing with the the extremely talented. We need to talk about more as well, Dwayne Wade. Yeah, I I don't have any issue with the the actual decision. Uh, I, I think a lot of it is is. I think a lot of athletes, uh, even though I'm sort of an athlete, not on that that grand of a scale, everyone wants to have that that sort of moment that I guess you can say he was deprived of, where you see the kids for, like, say, college football having that national signing day where they get to pick the hat and they get to be courted by all these teams and yep. 
it, it's like being the prettiest girl in school, and someone wants you get who's gonna who wants to take me to prom and yeah. everything. And I think that uh, definitely males in general don't really have moments like that. Um, not to get into a deeper aspect of uh, sort of sexual relations between different female and male type uh, interactions, but as a, as a male person, you don't really get courted too True. much. And I, I definitely think being an athlete is one of those times that you can be courted. And you're courted in a way that no one else gets courted. You are offered a free education from wherever you want to go. Your 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 tuition is paid for. You might get some cash under the table. The world is your oyster. Yep. And I think a lot of times, unfortunately, um, being a 17-year-old kid and then going to an adult world where you do a lot of that growing up in college, you he sort of maybe wanted to have that college moment where he got to say, hey, I want, tell me where I get to go. I'm going to, oh, you want me to play here in Los Angeles? Woo me. Oh, Dallas? Woo me. Miami? Woo me. And everything. And he made his decision, and it could have been maybe handled a little better with how he dealt with leaving Cleveland. I do think that Cleveland, sort of, that owner Dan Gilbert, acted like a fucking child um, with how LeBron left, like he was sort of like the runaway slave kind of uh, off the plantation. But then in return back to Cleveland, I thought that was kind of, that, I think that was a sort of a, it's hard for me to totally hate on LeBron for doing it because home is home. As someone who, home. someone who left the Bay Area and then lived on the East Coast and the South, and I, I coming back to the Bay Area, it's, it's it's the best thing ever. Yeah. Um, it just sucks that that owner, and I can't imagine what he had to go through mentally to be like, all right, I'm going to go back to the same owner guy that talked all this shit well, about me, my friends. Wrote letters. How, yeah, Let's be honest. Wrote, yeah. Wrote, wrote, wrote disgusting letters. A public about, letter. A public-like yeah. sort of thing for the entire city. Uh, saying, you'll never be welcome here, this, that, whatever. He never won, never did this. Then actually go back there is... It's. I think it was sort of kind of weak sauce for him to actually go back because it wasn't like he wasn't he couldn't live in in at home. I mean, athletes can work wherever, play in, in whatever city that they want to, and then spend their entire off season in Cleveland, in Dallas, or or whatever, whatever, wherever their home region but, of the country but is. Don't forget, though. I mean, remember my Cleveland during the four years he was in Miami had a lot of fir- number one picks overall. They had- Two, two, I believe. And, and yeah. a lot of high first-round picks as well. Yeah, Kyrie and then uh, another guy from, was it the Duke one? They traded away. They did some trade, but yeah, they had two but, in like three years. Yes, besides, with the exception of Kyrie, they, they didn't put together a whole lot of quality teams or, or anything worthy of coming back with the exception of LeBron. And it's still a fucking shitty team. I know they're the number one team in the East. With the, If you take away LeBron... You know, that, that team is not a playoff. Yeah, the, East, the East is weak. I mean, it's got LeBron and I mean, uh, LeBron's got Kyrie and then Love, but Love is soft. Who knows what you're getting with Love? Yeah, I, but all that being said, we, we we know some of the history with LeBron. We know he's a polarizing figure, but what I want to really get into is the fact that he hasn't had scandals. Right. He has not not to take a dig or whatever, but he didn't have the rape trial. No. He didn't have the gambling issues. Yeah. He hasn't, uh, you know, had a whole lot of drama with a certain player besides yeah. that stuff. Mm-hmm. What was the guy who maybe uh, slept with? Oh, his Delantre mom? West. Yeah, yeah. yeah, 
we don't even we don't know whether that's, that's then, true yeah. or not. It had nothing that, to do with LeBron. Yeah. He, he rose above it. He's he's not doing drugs. He's, he's a he's, he's a family man. He's been married with his longtime girlfriend. Yeah. He, no kids out of wedlock. No no crazy. No Tiger Woods stuff. Yeah. You know, there's nothing hateable from a personality standpoint off the court right. and you know substance abuse or anything like that that would warrant you to be like fuck this dude. Yeah. Um, and he was very much beloved. When he got drafted and his time in Cleveland first, mm-hmm. the decision made should have only really been something that pissed off Cleveland fans. That was the other thing, too. You people in Washington, D.C., California, Texas, <laughs> you have nothing nothing to say whatsoever. Yeah. Maybe the people in Florida had something to say, like, oh, great, we had him for four years. But it, 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 I don't understand people in Denver saying, oh, fuck this motherfucker. Uh, because of going from Cleveland to no, Miami. No, they, yeah. You do what's best for you and your family. It, so, it had uh, no, no effect on anybody else. Yeah. Uh, but Florida, Florida can have some issues with the whole not four, not five, not six, whatever. Like he was going to be there for a while and he was only... Well, they had their shot. That was the other thing, too. They went to four straight finals. Yeah. And, and I don't know why that kind of gets lost in the whole <laughs> thing. Yes, he said, you know, the whole thing of not three, not four... They went to four finals. They won two back-to-back. Now, I don't know where some of these other franchises are in the league, (laughs) but I can guarantee you any franchise in the league would love to have four straight finals appearances and two back-to-back titles in that that time frame. Who wouldn't want that? Now, whether you're the Warriors, Lakers, doesn't matter who the hell you are, you want that. Yeah. And he achieved it. The other thing is, he's gone to five straight finals. We've never seen that before. No. Now, you can throw some shade and say, okay, he's, he's lost three of them. But he's dominated the Eastern Conference like nobody's fucking business for five straight years. And, I, I mean, he's got the number one seed. It's their, their conference to lose. There's yeah. nothing to prevent them from going back to the, a six straight finals with his team. That's unheard of. Yeah. It really is. You know, we've never seen that level of consistency when it comes to playoff basketball. Yeah. People just, uh, they just gloss over it because they're blinded by their LeBron hate. But he, he's a great player and he's definitely, uh, he's tra- he's obviously one of the, one of the greatest pl- people we've ever seen on, on the basketball court. Yeah. Uh, he's, and not only that, but he's an amazing athlete. Like he's just physically, and not as much of a jerk as our two favorite players. Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, he he's not doing the whole Smush Parker or, or Steve Kerr punch. Yeah. He's not doing any of that. Especially shit. in an era where it's easy to find out if someone's being a jerk or being a dick, and where you have TMZ, you have a twenty four hour news cycle of of sports coverage and news yeah. and paparazzi. It's if you do something that you don't want people to find out about, most likely it's going to get found out. Truth be told. Most people aren't going to agree with this, but it is accurate. He's about as squeaky clean as Steph Curry. He's just 6'8 and made a decision to go play in Miami for four years. Yeah. Some people feel salty about. Yeah. Other than that, he's the same kind of squeaky clean, yeah. you know, family guy. Yeah, that's true. So check your feelings, Internet. I agree. All right. Um, I think uh, that's a good pilot. We went on some good basketball. Oh, yeah. We, yeah, we did. We uh, definitely uh, covered a lot and uh, definitely will uh, keep these podcasts rolling out and everything. It was it was a nice uh, beta 
sort of pilot episode, see how, how uh, things roll. And uh, I obviously in the future, we got plenty and plenty of topics to uh, discuss over and uh, we look forward to, to talking about it. Um, obviously, with the playoffs going on right now, we'll be talking about some stuff that will be happening like sort of live-ish and, and current uh, with the playoffs going on and, and how these teams get eliminated or advanced in the uh, finals. Um, and, and through the championship, and then we'll see what happens in the off season. Uh, if people are, are feeling the podcast, we can talk about uh, this during the off season. We might even talk about other sports or, or, and stuff. It's sort of our, our little venture to to see uh, what what the people want and everything. Exactly. And definitely give us feedback. Let us know. Let us know if you think my opinions are shit. You think Kobe sucks, or if you think Kobe's the greatest person to ever dribble basketball and lace up some sneakers. Like, give us feedback. Um, I'm on on Twitter. It's it's. It's Stitch. Hey, yeah. hey, it's Stitch. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just had <laughs> to think about that. Day. Yeah, fuck it up my own day, babe. My, uh, my Twitter handle is at hey, H-E-Y, it's I-T-S, Stitch. Like Stitch, like the uh, Stitch, like you Stitching sew something. Ball, yeah. Or, yeah, or uh, the little character from the Disney uh, fucking movies and shit like that. Good shit. And uh, me, it's, and this is going to be hard for people, so <laughs> it's, it's actually Cthulhu's Prodigy. So it's C T H U L H U S P R O D I G Y uh, at at or at Cthulhu's Prodigy on Twitter. So hit me up. Uh, we're also obviously on the Black and the Black Times Infinity podcast yeah. where we discuss all things yeah. uh, related to geek and nerdy stuff with comics, anime, and video games and pop culture. Yeah. But uh, this is sports. And- yeah, give us give us our feedback. Let us know and give us topics. Let let us know who you want to hear us discuss about one on one matchups. Let uh, what team would beat whatever team that you got you uh, want to put in, in a virtual matchup and everything. You you want to discuss if they should get rid of the three point line. Let us know. We'll, if you guys give us a question, we'll talk about it and uh, we'll give you a shout out if you want us to shout out your name. That's fine. If you want to just remain in the shadows and keep anonymous, that's cool too. Just uh, we we love feedback. We we. Love interacting with our fr- with our our podcast friends, our, our Twitter family, uh, on this podcast that we're, we're just starting up, and even on our Black and Black Times Infinity podcast, uh, you can talk with people on there. We uh, are very responsive to people's uh, inquiries about certain questions, or, or even reaching out to us in messages and everything. Uh, we'll probably work on a, an official podcast, uh, I guess, name for the the actual cast and everything. But uh, we might even tinker with with the name. But uh, I know it'll evolve something with Kobe and something with Jordan. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, and it, it was really fun. I mean, we'll figure out a, a schedule when we plan on doing these podcasts, and we'll let you guys know and uh, spread the word if you if, if you you like what you you hear, hit smash that like button or uh, tell a friend, rate us on whatever. Uh, listening podcast listening device that you're hearing us on whether it's stitcher itunes soundcloud player fm uh i guess now it's google talk or google play yep yeah so uh let us know yes so even though this is supposed to be an intro music we're yeah. gonna go out to uh, yeah we, we're gonna song. get some we're gonna get some nice theme song music and everything uh we just wanted to get our, our opinions out there and, and get our uh, our foundation for our, our character bios and let us know where we stand on certain things and Take it from there. Right on. See ya. Keep on dribbling.